It all started in 1881. Harley Proctor, the legendary soap salesman who was the son of the co-founder of Proctor & Gamble, decided that he wanted a a new uh, angle in selling his ivory soap. He realized that people were impressed by scientific testimonials, and so he decided if he could just come up with a test proving that his soap, his ivory soap, was purer than the other soaps, that people would buy his soap instead of these other soaps. And so he sent out some of his ivory soap for an analysis, and these scientists compared it with other analyses that they had done, and it showed that his soap was 99 and 44 one hundredths percent pure. This slogan had just the right amount of sort of technical language that people would say, wow, that's got some science behind it. It looks like it's purer than all the other soaps, and so I want to buy this soap instead of the other soap on the aisle. And they began this classic marketing slogan. How many of you have ever noticed on the packaging of ivory soap before that it's 99 and 44 one hundredths percent pure? That's, that's been on their, on their packaging for over a hundred years now. And they use it to set itself apart from all the other soaps that you could buy when you go to the store. But here's the deal. 99 and 44 one hundredths percent is very pure. But it's not a hundred percent pure, is it? Being 99 and 44 one hundredths percent good isn't good enough to earn your spot in heaven. The Bible teaches us that we have to be without spot, without blemish. We must be 100% pure. And the only way that we can be 100% pure is through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to continue our series that we began last week called People of the Book. And we're walking through Psalm 119, which is uh, this masterpiece of Hebrew poetry in which it's an an alphabet poem, and every stanza in the poem begins with a particular letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And in that stanza, the first first letter on every single line begins with that, that letter of the alphabet. And so today we're in the second stanza, and we're on the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is the letter Beit. This is not a sailboat here in front of you this morning. This is the Hebrew letter bait. Uh, and so when you look at this, this second stanza of Psalm 119 in the Hebrew Bible, the beginning of every single line will start with this letter. And so this is a, it's this beautiful piece of poetry that God has put in his word to show us the importance of his word. And as we look at this second stanza today, the the theme of this stanza is all about purity, about holiness. And so if you have your Bibles today, I'd ask that you stand with me in honor of God's word if you're able. We're going to be in Psalm 119, beginning in verse 9. The word of God says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I've sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Lord, may you be blessed. Teach me your statutes. 
With my lips, I proclaim all the judgments from your mouth. I rejoice in the way revealed by your decrees as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Thank you. You may be seated. Today, as we look at this stanza, we're going to look at the, the power of purity and the path of purity that the psalmist outlines here in this stanza. And so the, the first thing that we see is the power of purity. And the Bible's really clear from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament that purity, righteousness, is essential to a relationship with God. God is completely holy and righteous and pure. And for us to have fellowship with God, we have to be pure and holy and righteous. Before Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they had fellowship with God. The Bible says that they walked with God in the garden. But once Adam and Eve sinned, they were cast out of the garden, out of the presence of God. As you continue through the Old Testament, you see where God gave Moses the the law. And he was revealing to his people the standard of his holiness. So when you read in, for example, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, he says, You are a holy people belonging to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his own possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. Jeremiah 2, verse 3, it says, Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. But the people were incapable of keeping this law. Just like you and I are incapable of being completely holy and and good. And so everyone has sinned. Everyone has chosen to go his own way. And so God sent his very own son, Jesus, to live a life without any sin. 100% pure life. And then Jesus offered himself his own life on the cross in exchange for yours and for mine. And by faith in Jesus and in his sacrifice, the Bible says that we can be forgiven of our sins and that we can be made clean. So when you get to the New Testament, in 1 Peter chapter 1, and verses 15 and 16, it says, the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all of your conduct. For it's written, be holy because I am holy. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, there's a lot of descriptions about the people of God, but one of them is that they are a holy nation. And so purity has always been a defining characteristic of the people of God. In the Old Testament, the Jews were a people who were set apart from all the surrounding nations. Because of their relationship to Yahweh, their holiness, their faithfulness to his commands. In the New Testament, the church is in the Greek language is called the ecclesia, which means the called out ones. We're the ones who are called out of the world uh, and uh, to live lives of, of holiness and faithfulness to the commands of God. How is a person made holy? How is it that we can be pure? The Bible teaches us that that we're all sinners and that that we all need forgiveness. And, and, I mean, it doesn't 
doesn't take much to just look around. You can look at your own life. You can look around and you can say, yeah, that's true. We're all sinful people. But the Bible also teaches us that when we trust in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, his blood will wash us clean and make us whiter than snow. And the Bible says that the righteousness of Christ is credited to us. The image is like putting on a cloak or a coat over us. His righteousness covers us. And we are considered to be righteous before God because of Jesus. Now, this isn't something that we can do ourselves. We don't do enough good things to be considered righteous or, or do enough good things to cover up the bad things that we do. I know when a few uh, months ago when we were on a mission trip and we were working with the, the B people, we were talking with a, a Muslim man there and according to Islam, the way that you find salvation is that you would be obedient and observe the five pillars of, of Islam. And so it's about making sure that you do these, these good works and observe these, these things. And one of their, 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 they have some strict dietary laws. And one of the things that they do is they don't eat any pork. And so we were at this man's house and our friend was proclaiming the gospel to this man. And, and he used this illustration for him to understand about these good works. He says, Let me ask you a question. What if you had a bowl of rice and inside this bowl of rice was just a tiny little speck of pork? He said, would you eat it? Oh, no, no, there's no way I would eat that. It's it's unclean. I could could not eat that. He said, okay. What What if you took that piece of pork out? Would you eat it then? Oh, no, no, it would still be considered unclean, he said. He said, because... It, the, the rice had been tainted by the pork that was, that was in there before. You couldn't eat that. He said, okay, well, what if you took some more rice and poured it on top of that rice and just kept putting more rice on top of it? Could you eat it then? He said, no, no, you could still, it would still be unclean. It doesn't matter how much rice you put on top of it, it's still unclean. And our friend looked at him and said, that's exactly how our good works are with God. He says, it doesn't matter how many you pile up on top of it. He says, the, the problem is that, that we need a new bowl. And the only way that we can get a new bowl is through faith in Jesus. You see, the Bible calls this process justification, that we are justified before God. We are made right with God through what Jesus did on the cross. But even after we are justified before God, you and I know that we still struggle with sin. We still struggle with temptation in our lives. And so we go through this process of what the Bible calls sanctification. It's becoming more like Jesus, growing in holiness and in righteousness. So how do we, how do, we do that? How do we choose to walk in purity day after day? When you look at the scriptures, the, when the people of God failed to do that, they were punished. When they, when they became uh, impure, dis- disregarding God's word, they fell. In the Old Testament, the, they began to turn to worship false idols. And then the Assyrians and later the Babylonians came in and they, they ravaged the, the promised land. 
Today, when the people of God, the, the church, choose our own way, when we don't walk in, in holiness, when we become impure, we face punishment for our sin as well. We're given the consequences of our, of our actions when we disregard God's word. But what this psalmist is teaching us is that purity is important in the life of a believer. He asked the question in verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? If it's important that we are pure in our relationship with God, how do we do that? He says, by keeping your word. By keeping your word. We walk in purity as a result of, of obedience to God's word. Showing faithfulness to God and to his commands, it's, it's a commitment to the Lord. Because God teaches us in his word how he wants us to live. So it's, it's really a matter of doing it. That's why one of our church values is, that, and you hear me say it almost every single Sunday, that we would be doers of the word and not just hearers only, Right? It does no good for you to just hear it and not do it. He's saying that we need to be walking in obedience to God's word. John Bunyan once said, either sin will keep you from the word or the word will keep you from sin. And so it's, a, it's about being in God's word. This purity is also a reflection of the character of God. As we said from the outset, God is holy and 100% pure. And so when we are walking in purity, we're reflecting God's nature. We are, as we're told in the New Testament, being holy like God is holy. That's why he says there in verse 10, I've sought you with all of my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. He's not wanting to, to stray here. Why? Because these commands are a reflection of the very heart of God. And so if you want to know God, you need to know his heart here in his word. Stay fixed on the word of God, not wandering from his way. Purity is a sign of maturity. It's a sign of growth in our walk with God. If you have a life that's characterized by, by purity, that's a life that's growing in Christ's likeness. And the longer that you know God and have a relationship with God, the more you should be walking in holiness. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. We should be overcoming sin. We should be putting off old sinful habits behind us. We should be growing into the image of Christ. That's why he says there in verse 11, I've treasured your word in my heart so that I wouldn't sin against you. That I would be growing in my walk with you. He's taking these steps to internalize the Bible in order to grow in his walk with God. Purity is a part of evangelism. You know, the world takes note when someone is living a life of purity. And they say, I want to know more about 
what's going on with this person's life. I mean, what is going on with this guy? This, this lady, she really seems to take God seriously. I want to know more about that. But the opposite is also true. The, the world takes note when someone claims Christianity but doesn't live a life of purity. And they don't believe your message when you aren't living it. That's why so many people believe that all, all Christians are just a bunch of hypocrites. Because we say that this, this is important to us, and yet we disregard everything that it says. And so our, our commitment to purity matters. As followers of, of Jesus, we need to know God's word, we need to obey God's word. He says this is how we keep our way pure, by keeping God's word. So you see the power of purity. But secondly, in this passage, I want us to take note of the path of purity. The psalmist here understands growing in purity comes through knowing God's word, through obeying God's word, and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Because the Holy Spirit is always going to point us to Jesus. He's always going to convict us according to the word of God. And this word that you have is God's revelation of himself to man. And since God is totally holy and pure, his word is holy and pure also. And so as we, we know God's word and are transformed by it, we become holy as God is holy. And so the psalmist begins here in the second part of this stanza to give us some practical ways to cultivate this life of purity in verse 12 he says lord may you be blessed teach me your statutes the first way to develop purity is to study god's word that's what he's asking the lord he says teach me teach me your word and so if we want to be growing in a life of purity, we need to be sitting under good, godly teaching of the Word of God. And as you study God's Word, you're going to come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit who is applying this Word into our hearts. And the Word is going to work in our lives to conform us and to change our hearts, to change our thoughts, to change our actions to bring them under the way of Christ. The image that the Bible often uses is that it's like a, a refiner's fire that burns off the chaff and purifies the gold. The Bible describes itself like this in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God, is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God would be complete, equipped for every good work. You see, this is what the Bible says that it does. It, it, it refines, it equips, it rebukes. It teaches us, it corrects us, it trains us. And so if you want to be growing in purity, you need to be in the Word. And as we consistently study the word and sit under the preaching of the word, the Lord is going to use his word to mold our lives. 
Secondly, the psalmist says that we need to speak God's word. In verse 13, he says, With my lips I proclaim all the judgments from your mouth. And so he's making talking about God's word a habit of his life. Bearing witness of the word. Sharing it with others. Because as you are speaking the word of God, he's going to use it to, in your life as well to purify you. In Psalm 71, 15, he says, My mouth will tell about your righteousness and your salvation all day long. In Psalm 51, verse 15, David says, Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. How many times have you maybe been in a difficult point in your life and you received a a note in the mail or someone called you on the phone and, and in that note, they jotted down a passage of scripture, a verse. Anybody ever had that happen to them before? That happens to me all the time. And you know why that's so good? Because the word of God is speaking to our hearts. They're using the word of God in that moment to meet a need. And that's what we're called to do as well. To bring life as we speak the word of life to people. So when I'm speaking with someone that's going through a difficult time, I can share God's word with them. When I'm speaking with someone who's mourning the loss of a loved one, I can share God's word with them. When I'm speaking with someone who's celebrating a great victory, I can share God's word with them. When I can speak with someone who's struggling with temptation in their life, I can share God's word with them because God's word is powerful and it doesn't return void. So speak it. Speak it. I would much rather tell you a hundred verses than tell you all the things that I think you ought to do. Okay? God's word is so much better than any advice that I could ever drum up. So speak God's word. We see also that he's celebrating God's word in verse 14. He says, I rejoice in the way revealed by your decrees. He loves God's word. You know, I was thinking this, this week as, you know, we've been preparing and working through Psalm 119. When you read this whole chapter, I mean, it is He really loves God's word. I mean, how many times does he talk about, I delight in your word, and I love your word. I I love your decrees, and I love your statutes. I mean, over and over again, he says it all through there. I mean, it almost sounds like a love poem that you would write to your spouse or something, but he's talking about the Bible. I mean, he loves it. And I asked someone this week in the office, I said, do you know anybody that talks about the Bible like that? that talks about the Bible like they love it. But that's how he speaks of it. He says, this Bible, it's not a restrictive rule book. It's a life vest that's thrown out to us when we're drowning in a sea of sin. He says, this is, this is something that I cherish, the word of God. In fact, he says in verse 14, I rejoice in the way revealed by your decrees as much as in all riches. And so as we celebrate God's word, cherishing it with our hearts as this valuable gift from God that it is, we begin to see the beauty and the purity of the word of God. He loves it. 
Fourthly, he thinks about God's word all throughout the day. In verse 15, he says, I will meditate on your precepts precepts, and think about your ways. He makes meditation on God's word a part of his life. And it would be impossible to develop a life of purity if you're not immersed in the word of God. You got to let it marinate, right? You got to let it soak all the way through. When you want a really good steak, you, you marinate that thing. Let, that, let those, those spices and, I mean, they just soak all the way in there, right? That's what you want the word to do in your life, to meditate on it. To take that verse that you read in the morning and think about it throughout the day. Let it turn over and over again in your mind. And allow God to, to speak into your heart. If you allow garbage into your mind all day long, watching trash on TV, listening to filthy music lyrics, listening to worldly perspectives of people all the time, then that's what's going to begin to seep into your mind and into your heart. And it's eventually going to transform your mind. But if you meditate on God's word, thinking about what you've read, listening to sermons, listening to Christian lyrics, watching wholesome TV programs, then that's what's going to begin to to sink into your mind and into your heart and will eventually transform your mind to it. And so you've got to meditate on God's word, and he will use that to purify your ways. Fifthly, he says that he memorizes God's word. In verse 16, he says, I will not forget your word. Back in verse 11, he says that he treasures his word in his heart. Now he's saying, I'm not going to forget it. I'm going I'm to remember it. I'm going to memorize it. And this goes hand in hand with all the other methods that we've been mentioning, right? If you If you memorize God's word, then you have it on the tip of your tongue to speak it to other people. If you memorize God's word, then you have it in your heart to meditate on it. I was at a pastor's conference one time, and uh, a pastor got up to speak, to preach, and he asked us to turn to Romans chapter 1. And so, you know, he's standing here behind the, the lectern and and everybody, I'm sitting out in the audience, and I start fumbling in my Bible and get to Romans chapter 1. He begins to read, beginning in verse 1, and starts reading and reading. And I'm just sitting there following along in my Bible. And all of a sudden, I'm like, this is, I mean, he, he's reading a lot. I mean, usually, they just, you know, in a, in a place like this, it might just be, a, you know, two verses, five verses, maybe ten verses. I mean, he's reading the whole chapter. I'm like, this is going to be a really long sermon if he's going to be reading this much. And so I, I, I look up, and I notice he's not even, he's not behind the podium. He's standing out over here, and he's quoting from memory the whole of chapter 1 of Romans. He was never reading it. I was, as I was following along, but he was quoting it word for word as he's standing out on the edge of the, of the stage. And I was so impressed, not that he was looking for, to impress people, but I was so impressed because he had, he had taken the time to to memorize God's word, a whole chapter of God's word. And I know a lot of people struggle with scripture memory. That's not my strong suit either. And we all got a, a ton of excuses as to why we can't memorize 
scripture. I've heard all of them. I've used most of them. But here's the thing that changed my mind about scripture memory. It's all the things that I do memorize. Birthdays, TV channels. You can probably remember, you know, your, your dog's name when you were a kid. The address of the street that you lived on when you were 12. Song lyrics. I know hundreds of song lyrics. Directions. Menus. You know, you know when you go to Chick-fil-A, you're getting a number one because you know what a number one is. You've memorized that, right? And so if I can memorize all of these things, why can't I memorize the Word of God? Because here's, here's the answer. We memorize things that are important to us. And we memorize things that we frequently use. Right? I told you I've memorized the, the number the, for, you know, text, text welcome or text whatever. It's because I say it like 10 times a day here on, on Sunday. So I, I know that number. I've never ever texted it, but I know it, okay? It's because I say it all the time. We memorize the things that are important to us, and we memorize the things that we frequently use. And so I can hide it in my heart so that I might not sin against God. And the psalmist here says, this is the path of purity. And so today, Christians, we've been reminded of this call to purity. And as we study the Bible, God uses his word to purify us, to change us, to draw us closer to him. And so some of the questions that we need to consider today in our hearts is, am I consistently sitting under the word of God? Am I speaking God's word to others? Am I digging into God's word in my life and making that a, a positive habit in my life? Am I celebrating God's word? Am I meditating on God's word and thinking about it? Am I taking time to try to, to commit to memorize God's word? Maybe today you need to commit to immerse yourself in the word of God. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. And so maybe you want to spend some time at your seat or even here at this altar today making these sort of commitments to God. Say, God, today I want to make a commitment to try to memorize scripture. Today I want to make a commitment to, to read your word every day. Today I want to make a commitment to really spend time meditating and thinking about your word. Whatever God's doing in your heart. Make these commitments to him today. There are others here today who maybe you've never trusted in Christ as the Lord and as the Savior of your life. And as we began today, we, we talked about how God is holy and pure and that our sin that all of us have separates us from God. And so we are unable to have fellowship with God, to have a right relationship with God. And that's why he sent his son Jesus to the earth, to be 100% pure, because 99 and 44 one hundredths percent is not good enough. And so Jesus came and lived a perfectly sinless life and yet offered himself as a sacrifice on the cross and shed his blood to pay the price for your sins and for my sins. And today, by trusting in him by faith, you can be forgiven of your sins. You can be made clean, 100% clean, through the blood of Jesus Christ. And you can be justified before God 
made right before God. And then you begin this walk of sanctification, walking in holiness in your relationship with the Lord. And so maybe this is a decision that you need to make today. To say, I, I know that I don't have this sort of relationship with God, but I, I want it in my life. I want to be forgiven of my sins. In a moment, we're going to have a time of response. We're going to be standing. We're going to be singing. And there's going to be leaders here across the front. I want you to come and share with one of us. And to say, I want to make this decision today to follow after Jesus in my life. Maybe you're watching online and you want to make this decision today. You can text the word DECIDE to the number 865-234-3241 and let us know that this is a decision that you want to make in your life and we'll follow, follow up with you and talk with you this week about what it means to, to know Jesus and to, and to follow after him as the Lord of your life. But however God is speaking to us today, now's the time to be doers of this word and not just hearers only. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, we thank you for your word, for the challenge that you have set before us today. God, I pray as we go through this entire series, Lord, that you would grow and stir within our hearts, Lord, a passion, a love for your word like we talked about a few moments ago. God, that we would treasure it as the valuable gift that it is. Lord, that we would dive in and dig into your word to get to know you, to walk with you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts today to make these sort of commitments to you about your word. God, if there are others here today that, that Lord, are seeking after you today, and say, I, I want to know Jesus. I want to I be forgiven of my sin. God, I pray that they would take those steps today, Lord, to follow you by faith to turn from their sin and repentance we're going to be born again today so God moved during this time in Jesus name we ask amen